Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. We're meeting for the first time. My name is John Whitaker, and I'm the host and creator of the Bible in Life, as well as the listener's commentary on the New Testament, my other podcast where I teach straight through Bible books. And I am grateful for you, glad that you're joining me on this episode. We're going to talk about something on this episode that I believe is absolutely critical if you and I are going to follow Jesus and live as his disciples this year, the next five years, right, the rest of our life. If we really want to follow Jesus, what we're going to talk about today is going to be really helpful to that. But before we jump into that, just a couple uh, kind of business type items. One, one of the best things you can do to help more people discover the Bible in life is uh, share it with your friends on your feed, in your text groups, or on your social media channels or whatever. Rate and review it on your podcast platform. So if your podcast platform allows you to rate and review podcast, uh, that'll help it get promoted more and more people discover it. And so uh, you might do that. Uh, and so just a few things to think about with that. Also, if, if you haven't heard me say it before, just want to mention a free resource on my website, johnwhitaker.net. There is a free resource that is a, a, about a 35, 40 page ebook aimed at helping you read the Bible better. That's its goal. It's, it's really to help you engage with the Bible, both in understanding it more fully and then putting it into practice in your life. It's called Bible and Life the very name of the podcast, and it gives five strategies for hearing the Bible, understanding it, and five strategies for heeding it or putting it into practice in your life. So it's completely free. Go to johnwhitaker.net. All you got to do is put in your name, email address. You'll get access to that ebook. So you might check that out as well. All right, let's jump into the content for today's episode. Last summer, uh, so summer of 2023, my son-in-law said, hey, do you want to go back into that place that we uh, we drove back into a couple years ago and uh, try going fishing there again and seeing this time if we can catch any fish? And I'm like, sure, uh, let's do it. Mostly because I want to spend time with my son-in-law and I didn't have a whole lot of confidence there would be fish in this place because we didn't even get a single bite last time. But hey, let's hang out together. It's a good excuse to do a little bit of off-roading as well as some fishing. So he threw the canoe on the top of his uh, truck and loaded everything up. And we drove out into the desert south of Boise, Idaho. Like we're talking desert, no trees, just sagebrush. We're out in the middle of nowhere to the small little reservoir out in the Owyhee Desert, south of Boise, Idaho. And so we made our way out there. We put the canoe in the water. We loaded up our gear into the canoe and we uh, pushed off and began to uh, paddle our way out into the water to say, okay, let's find a spot where we want to cast our lines in and see if there's any fish in this reservoir. And here's the thing. Every time we wanted to cast our line in the water, we had to do what? Well, we had to stop paddling the canoe. So we're out in the desert. Uh, there's hills around us, but there's no trees, nothing really to break the wind. And so as we stop paddling, what's going to happen? We're going to drift. We're going to drift wherever the wind is going to blow us. And so we would stop paddling. We would cast a couple times. And the next thing you know, we're almost bumping into the shore. Now it's pretty hard uh, to cast or fish. We've got to put down the poles. we got to grab the paddles. And we got to paddle some more back to another spot out into the water, put down our paddles, cast a few times. And then all of a sudden, we're drifting again. 
and over and over again, this is what happened. We, uh, every time we put down the paddles, the wind would blow us wherever it wanted to blow us, and we would drift to where we didn't want to be, and we would have to quit fishing and start paddling. The net effect of that was we did very little fishing, caught no fish, we did a whole lot of drifting, and in order to try to make up for that drifting, we had to do a lot of paddling. And it's that idea of drifting versus paddling that I want to use sort of as a picture or a metaphor for what we want to talk about in this episode today. And that is that if we are going to follow Jesus, it's going to take intentional effort. You don't drift into discipleship. You don't drift your way into becoming like Jesus. You have to use intentional effort, paddling. You're going to have to plot a course, and you're going to have to go somewhere, and you can't just hope that somehow, by chance, you end up there if you just kind of go with the flow and go with the currents and let the winds of culture and the winds of life take you where they want to go. If you do that, you're just not going to end up where you want to go. You're just going to be uh, at the mercy of the winds. And so drifting is not the way to become like Jesus. Paddling is, and that means intentional effort. And one of the things that Dallas Willard was famous for saying, I don't know if you're familiar with Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard uh, actually was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, but before that he was a pastor. And then he realized he needed to learn some things that he felt like were really important to pastoring, and so he became a philosophy professor, but he always kept his foot in the church and in teaching people in the church, and that led then towards, in the latter years of his life, really becoming known as sort of a, a, an expert in spiritual growth, spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, and all these things. And one of the things that Dallas Willard was famous for saying is this, is that grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And so the fact that we're saying intentional effort is necessary if you, if you and I want to become like Jesus, that's not opposed to the grace of God. In fact, if we understand the New Testament uh, properly and fully, the effort that we're going to put in is enabled by and energized by the very grace of God at work in our life. So grace is not only not opposed to effort, grace enables the effort that we need to put in. And so if we're going to follow Jesus and live as his disciples, then we have to live with intentional effort. Listen to these words from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Really important text. It's formed a lot of my thinking about spiritual formation and spiritual growth. So I want to share it with you. And it's really important when we understand what Paul is actually saying here. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, rather. So he's contrasting with the previous thing he said. It's like, don't get caught up in old wives' tales. That's basically what he said. Rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself. Now, if you look maybe in a different translation, uh, if you look in the ESV or the NIV or some other translation, it may say something like train or uh, something like that. The reason for that is because this particular word has this sense of intentional effort of training and discipline. Like we don't try to become like Jesus. We train to become like Jesus. In fact, if you look up the Greek word that's translated discipline or train here, and you take that Greek word and you write it with English letters, you'll recognize the word very quickly 
because the Greek word behind it is gymnazo, but it looks like gymnazo. It's the word we get our English word gymnasium from. In other words, what Paul is saying here in 1 Timothy 4, 7 is uh, you need to hit the gym, spiritually speaking, so that you can become godly, so that you can become like Christ, so that you can become like Jesus from the inside out. You're going to have to work out for the purpose of godliness. There's going to have to be some exercising, some getting into spiritual shape or getting into godliness shape. That's the idea of this word. And Timothy, when Paul writes it to him, he's in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus had uh, a well-known gymnasium on the road that led from the theater down towards the harbor. And it was a well-known theater, where, or well-known gymnasium, where people would train and they would work out and they would get in shape. And, right? and so Paul's playing off that imagery of going to the gym, and getting in shape. And so he says, go to the gym, get yourself in shape for the sake of godliness. That's the idea. And then he explains in verse 8 by saying, for bodily training, there you can hear the what he's actually getting at with the word discipline or training, for bodily training. Like bodily fitness is uh, of some benefit. It's not that it's not good for you. It's not that it's wrong. It's, it's, it's of some benefit. Um, but godliness... This helps us see Paul's picture of what's really important in life. Godliness is beneficial for all things, for everything. It's, it's beneficial for stuff in the here and now and stuff in the hereafter. Godliness is beneficial for all things because it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Did you hear that? That godliness is useful for the present life and it's also beneficial for the age to come, the life to come. Like godliness will make your life work better, more effective, uh, more useful, like more whole, more healthy. It'll make your marriage better. It'll make you a better parent. It'll make you a better employee. It'll make you a better neighbor. Like godliness has value, benefit for the present life. And it'll also prepare you for the, the life to come and lead you into God's eternal kingdom. And therefore, in view of the great benefit of godliness, he says, go to the gym and get yourself in shape for the sake of godliness. The Apostle Paul really gives what amounts to, in some regards, kind of his own testimony as an example and a challenge and encouragement to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, picking up in verse 24, Paul writes these words. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Only one gets the, the medal. Only one in their culture gets the victor's crown. Right? Like, all run, only one receives the prize. And then his challenge is run in such a way that you may win. Like be intentional, be deliberate, be focused, right? Like run in such a way that you got you to train, you got to get in shape, you got to be purposeful about this. Intentional effort. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And we know this from watching sports and being familiar with people training to do hard things, right? Like you got, you got to exercise self-control in all things. You got to watch what you eat. You got to uh, watch your sleep schedule. You got to make sure you, you're uh, taking care of your body and you're getting fit and you're exercising. You're going to the gym. You're practicing the skills. You exercise self-control in all things. They do it, Paul says, 
to obtain a perishable wreath. In their culture, the victor would get a, a laurel wreath crown made out of leaves, right? Like, how long is that going to last? Those, those leaves are going to dry and break apart within a handful of months. They do it to obtain a perishable wreath. We do it to obtain an imperishable victor's crown. We run this life of faith, this life of godliness, this life that Jesus has called us into. We run it for an imperishable victor's crown. Therefore, here's Paul's testimony and example, verse 26. Therefore, Paul says, I run in such a way as not running aimlessly. Like, I'm intentional and I'm purposeful and I'm focused. I'm not going to run here and there and all over the place and as if I have no goal and no aim. No, I don't run aimlessly. He says, I box in such a way as to avoid hitting the air, right? I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm hitting my mark. But he says, I strictly discipline my body. I strictly, in this case, it's a different word than discipline than the one in uh, in First Timothy, this one is more like, I actually put limits on my body. I exercise self-control on my body. I restrain my body. I strictly discipline my body and I make it my slave so that my body does what I, by the power of the spirit, want it to do. I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that I, after I have preached to other, I should not be disqualified. I don't want to be disqualified from this race. No, I'm going to be uh, disciplined and focused and intentional and faithful. And so if we want to uh, become like Jesus, if we want to live as a disciple, we don't drift into that. We have to apply focused, purposeful, uh, intentional effort like an athlete trying to train for his competition like a, if you want to change the metaphor to something maybe that's more familiar to you, like a, a concert pianist who has worked hard from their childhood till now and have mastered the skills and their body and their fingers and their mind is finely tuned, right? Like that's the idea, deliberate, intentional effort. And so let me offer for you just a handful of kind of guidelines for living intentionally in pursuit of Jesus. So let me give you four keys to that. The first is this, we have to have a plan. The old adage, right? Failure to plan is planning to fail. We have to have a plan for discipleship, our plan for strictly disciplining our body in Paul's language, our plan for training ourselves for godliness. We have to have a plan. What do we mean by that? Well, this is where like, spiritual practices come in. Spiritual practices have been, uh, have centuries of godly wisdom behind them as exercises for the sake of godliness. We can learn from the saints of old who have gone before, what are some of the best exercises for training for godliness? Things like uh, regular reading and memorizing and meditating on scripture, absorbing it into our being, right? So that we, we read it, but we don't just let it go through one ear and out the other. We think about it. We ponder it. Th this is what scripture is getting at when it calls us to, uh, blessed is the man who meditates on his law day and night, Psalm 1, right? Like this is what we're talking about, where we read it, 
We think about it. We absorb it into our being. And so we memorize it and we meditate it. So intake of scripture, that's a key exercise in our plan. Obviously, regular prayer is a part of our plan, living connected to God, where we regularly pause uh, throughout our day to set our heart and our mind and our the eyes of faith back towards God in the midst of all the distractions and the busyness and the things we've got to go on life. We need to, we need to have regular moments where we reconnect with God in prayer. And so prayer is part of our plan. Other pr- spiritual practices that have been important exercises are things like fasting or intentional deliberate worship or uh, certain traditions have practiced what they call the daily office where they had uh, those moments of scripture and reflection and prayer at set times throughout the day. And so they had morning and they had midday, uh, they had evening and they had right before bed. Um, and they had set little uh, scriptures that they would read and prayers that they would pray at those times throughout the day. Uh, Intentional service of others can be an exercise where uh, we say, okay, I'm going to carve out some time to intentionally serve my neighbors or serve these particular people in my sphere of influence. That can be a plan, not just an act of service. It can be also a way by which God forms us. Now, the way you do these exercises can make all the difference in the world. If they just become a to, you know checkbox on a religious to-do list, they have very little power. They can actually become... Uh, means of hypocrisy and spiritual pride, the kind of thing that Jesus attacks in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. So we don't want to turn them into a checklist. We don't want to make them that. We want to do them with genuine prayer before God, where it's like, God, um, make me like you. So as we go to serve some group of people or somebody else, it's, Lord, just as you have served me by laying down your life for me, make me a servant like you are a servant. And we do it with that prayer and the Lord enters into this moment and he changes us and he transforms us as we do those sorts of things. And so we have to have a plan. It needs to be a wise plan. It needs to be a plan carried out in the spirit of humility, asking God to infuse it with his grace and to transform it. So that's the first thing. Have a plan. The second thing is that plan must be realistic. If we're going to have a plan, it has to be realistic. Uh, we don't want to try to be a spiritual superhero and do everything where, okay, I'm going to have, you know, every month I'm going to have a you know 24-hour period or a two-day period of silence and solitude, plus I'm going to, you know, fast for a week, plus I'm going to memorize 10 verses of scripture. Don't try to be a spiritual superhero. Have a realistic plan. And that plan may morph and change depending on the stage of life you're at. And if you're, you know, a mom with small kids at home, that's going to change what you're able to do. If you have, uh, if you travel a lot for work, that's going to change how you do things, right? And so, have a plan, but it's, it's got to be realistic. These things aren't laws. They're wisdom to help us become like Jesus. So key number one, have a plan. Key number two, let it be a realistic plan. Key number three is create space for God. This is one of the major things about our plan is what we're really doing is we're creating space for God in our life. We're trying to arrange our life around him, around his presence, around his purposes around his kingdom and his mission in this world. And so it's all about creating space for God in the midst of our ordinary life. So that's number three, create space for God in the midst of your life. And so as you put together your plan, that's why doing it prayerfully is so important because we're really trying to live our life now connected back to God. Uh, The 
at the root of the human problem is not just individual sins or individual actions, it's lack of trust, lack of faith, breaking relationship with our creator. And so the key for us becoming godly is creating space for God in our life and living connected to him. So create space for God. And as you think about your plan, that's one of the key things you want to do is you want to go about your life so that God has space within it, room to work, room to be involved, and that your life is slowed down enough and has margin enough that there is room for you to relate to and interact with God in your life. So that's number three, create space for God. And then number four, this is really important, don't have time to develop this fully here, but one of the major objectives of your training program is to retrain your body for the sake of godliness. You heard that in what Paul said about his own testimony, where he says, I strictly discipline my body. And actually, Paul develops this in a number of places in his writings where he helps us see that somehow through years of sinning, sin has gotten into our body. And that's why we have some of the the struggle we have to do what's right is because our body, even though our spirit has experienced new life, new creation, resurrection, we still have the same old body waiting for resurrection. And sin has gotten in there. And so this body needs to be disciplined and retrained, so as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, so it serves God's purposes, not the flesh's purposes. And therefore, part of what we're doing in this is retraining our body. Uh, And that's really critical. And that's why it's like, okay, maybe it's a a simple little act of service uh, that's just part of your daily life, but it's a, a way of training your body that Uh, giving up its energy and its time to serve others is good and godly, and it helps your body learn that way, learn how to sacrifice itself for the sake of others. And so that's a key part of our training program is getting this body to actually um, do the things that the Spirit of God uh, wants done, not just the things that it has by default done its own way. The body has to learn how to submit to God. And that's what Paul is getting at. And so we have to kind of retrain our body for the sake of godliness. And that's why things like fasting or serving, and these things are so important because they help discipline the body and say, you know what, Uh, food is good, but God is better. So I'm going to give up a good thing for the sake of a better thing so that my body can learn that it's okay to say no to it. And I am going to learn to be the master of my body. And thus, um, we retrain our body for the sake of godliness. So much more could be said about that, but that's just one key objective as you think through your training regimen and your plan. So to summarize, we need to live intentionally if we're going to become like Jesus. We can't drift into Christ-likeness. And one of the most important things we could ever do in life is to become like Jesus from the inside out. It holds benefit for this life and for the life to come. And so if we're going to be intentional about anything, this should be it. And so we develop a plan of exercises and practices to help us create space for God in our life and to help retrain our body for the purpose of godliness. And we present ourselves to God in that way. And in doing so, doing so, God enters in and he transforms us from the inside out. And we become increasingly and progressively more like Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is that you 
who want to follow Jesus and live as his disciple, that you would do so by living intentionally and deliberately. You would train yourself for godliness. All right, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. The Bible and Life uh, online ministry, which includes this podcast, includes the listener's commentary, includes uh, some of the free resources that I've provided. The, this whole online ministry, Bible and Life, is made possible by the generous support of people like you. It's a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry. And so thanks a ton to those of you who have made this ministry possible. And if you have been blessed or impacted by this ministry in any way, um, you could help this ministry continue to grow and increase and bear more fruit for the sake of God by going to johnwicker.net, clicking the Give button. It'll redirect you to a page on World Family Missions website where you can uh, click my link there and set up a a one-time or a recurring monthly donation. Let me say in advance, thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you for it. And I look forward to talking with you again next week.